This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Also introduce the team. I hope members of the Shura body are here. And also if I can have a, a quick show of hands before uh, we, we uh, start. Uh, if there's members of the previous Shura council who are present here. Uh, anyone from the previous Shura? Um, I saw some of you. You must have uh, had to go. But anyway, I just wanted to thank uh, uh, the previous Shura Council for the service. Uh, you know, we had Brother Hassan Abdul Hai, uh, Brother Shafi, Brother Rai, uh, Brother Rashad, Brother Anwar, Sheikh Anwar, and uh, I'm missing somebody here. Uh, who else? Brother Munir, of course. Brother Munir from the school. Uh, and uh, uh, did I get everybody? Brother Abdul Khabir, mashallah. So, um, uh, uh, you know, just thank them, thank them when you see them, inshallah, uh, because this is a tireless uh, effort, it's a tireless service to the community. May Allah reward them all. Uh, we're already pretty tired, you know, so inshallah, uh, we'll accept from them and from all of us, inshallah. Zakhna khair. I think it's better if I sit. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi. Wa man istanna bi sunnatihi la yumid deen. Allahumma ja'alna minhum wa minal nathina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasaw bil haq. Wa tawasaw bil sabr. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Thumma amma ba'd. Fayakulu subhanahu wa ta'ala fi kitabihi al-kareem. Ba'da anakula. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها. الله عز وجل says in سورة النساء that he commands us without a doubt that we give trusts, responsibilities, amanat to those who deserve them. إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها. And then he says وإذا حكمتم بين الناس فأن تحكموا بالعدل. The very next phrase is, when you make judgments between people, make sure that you make fair judgments. And these two instructions, the first one was give responsibilities and trust to people who deserve them, number one. And number two, make judgments fairly. Whenever the judgment time comes to pass judgment, you make judgment fairly. After saying that, which is obviously any advice Allah gives is beautiful advice. And any advice Allah gives is perfect advice. But Allah sees it fit, that after he gives these two pieces of advice, he adds, إِنَّ اللَّهَ نِعِمَّ يَعِذُكُمْ بِهِ No doubt Allah, what amazing advice He just gave you. He normally doesn't say that. He just gives us advice and then gives us more advice and more advice. Here, He gave us two pieces of advice. And then He added, as if to say, this is not just any other advice. Even in, when it comes to Qur'an, there are certain bits of advice that have special place in the Qur'an. And this is one of those bits of advice that has a special place for the ummah. First of all, and to addul amanat ila ahliha. Second of all, ida hakamtum bayna nas and tahkumu bil adri. So I'd like to take a, just a couple of minutes and explain uh, and remind myself of what this amazing, beautiful advice is that Allah Himself calls incredible advice. What amazing counsel He's given you and me. Any job that you and I do, and any job that you and I have been given, actually. 
can only really get done if we're qualified. If you're not the right person for the job, the job is not going to get done. If you got a job as a mechanic, and you don't know anything about cars, the problem is not going to get solved. If you got a job as an electrician, and you don't know anything about electricity, there's going to be a problem. So every time we think about the workplace, or hiring somebody, or getting a job ourselves, obviously the, the world around us only functions when you put people that are qualified to do the job in the right place. Otherwise, nothing gets done. Nothing gets done in the world of business. Nothing gets done in school. If a teacher is not qualified, they can't teach. If a student is not qualified, they're not going to be doing well in the classroom. They have to meet certain requirements and prerequisites. Everything we do in life, Allah created this system in a way that it can only really move forward when the right people are put in the right places to do the right jobs. But unfortunately, that's not how the world functions a lot of times. As we know from recent history, some people that aren't nearly qualified uh, get put in positions of very high responsibility. And that happens, that's life. That certainly happens. Allah is now telling us subhanahu wa ta'ala as a Muslim community, that anytime we as a community come together and give a responsibility, that we have to be very conscious and careful about handing that responsibility over to someone. Especially one in which other people's lives are going to be affected. So how a, how a community chooses their imam is a very important responsibility. How a school uh, you know, selects a teacher is a very important responsibility. Who's going to be teaching our teenagers in Sunday school or who's going to be the one dealing with the girls at the, you know, in fifth grade or whatever else. These are not small decisions because these are people that have to be put in the right place. Right? That's the first thing. And each of these responsibilities, the beautiful thing with Allah is they're called amanat. Amana is something you hold, then you have to give back. And you don't own it. If this was given to me as an amana, that means I don't own it. I have to take care of it. This is not the same as something that I own. If I own it, I can treat it however I want. But if I don't own it, and I'm only being held responsible for it for a little while, then I have to treat it with care. And I can never even think for one second that this is my property. I don't deserve it. It's not my property. I'm only holding it. Anybody who's ever put in any position of responsibility, from the, from the Qur'an's point of view, is only holding that responsibility. They don't own it. They're not owners of a position. There are no titles that people own in our deen. They only hold an amana for a little while. And when you say that, you recognize that you're going to be passing it off to somebody else, and then somebody else, and then somebody else. Now that's different from something that I own, because if I own something, and I'm going to give it up, it's going to hurt me. Or I want something in exchange, because I own it, and I want some kind of a trade. Or I feel a loss if I lost something. But if it's an amana, then it was never mine to begin with. So I have no problem letting it go. I have no problem, I have, I have a huge sense of responsibility holding on to it. And I'm actually relieved when I let it go, isn't it? It's a relief to let it go. It's the opposite of ownership. In ownership, when you have it in your possession, you're feeling better. And when you lose it, you feel bad. You know what happens a lot of times with human beings? They have an amana, but they think it's property. So they love holding on to it. And they're very hurt when they have to let it go. But from the very beginning, we have to hold, give amanat to people who deserve them. And to addul amanat ila ahliya, who are qualified for them. Which means, you and I have to pick, put people in responsibility that see this as an amanat. They don't see this as property. The second thing is, وَإِذَا حَكَمْتُمْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ أَن تَحْكُمُوا بِالْعَدْلِ 
So beautiful. When you make judgments between people, make sure that you judge with justice. But wait a second, if you've handed amana to somebody, he should be doing the judging. Like if we picked somebody to be a judge, he should do all the justice. No, Allah says, it's not off your shoulders now. Just because you pick somebody and give an amana to them, that doesn't mean you're not responsible for being just. Each of you still has an individual responsibility. All of you have to execute justice. In other words, the principle of the Qur'an is justice does not come from the top down. Policy does not come from the top down. Policy is a community thing. Everybody's being held responsible. In a sense, all of, him, all of us have been handed an amana. I wanted to open with that because for better or for worse, I have been uh, given the responsibility of uh, the title of president of this masjid which by far I don't deserve without any exaggeration. I'm not trying to be humble, I'm trying to be, I'm very realistic. Actually, I don't know how to be like superficially humble. I, I'm not nearly qualified. There are people that have put sweat and tears into the building of this masjid, into the, into the maintaining of this masjid, that have put countless hours away from family, away from work, away from business, to make sure this place is running, and that you and I have this wonderful facility to to enjoy our community life with. So many of us made the decision to move to this part of the country or this neighborhood because of the existence of this masjid. I am included among those people. I left the East Coast because I came to this masjid. So, you know, whatever, you know, my children's future is directly tied to this place. My own future is tied to this place. The organization that I run, Bayina, was situated here because of this masjid. Actually, I can say that without a shadow of a doubt, because of proximity to this masjid. So, and many of your lives are actually very deeply connected to this masjid. We owe this masjid a lot. And there are people that have put countless amount of hours in that have never put a microphone on. They've never given a khutbah. You don't know, you may have heard their names, but you don't know their faces. They're always behind the scenes. They're always in those boring eight hour meetings for our meetings that you would not want to be in you would rather be under the chair on a chair with a dentist than be in one of those meetings but they do that and they do it time and time and time again so that this place can function may Allah reward them because they don't get credit from us nearly enough but the angels Allah has commanded to record their deeds and Allah Azza wa knows who they are right and those are those are people of leadership now what I what I can offer though is that I'm in a position of service and I have to be realistic about what that position is. What, what, what do I, each of us, Allah says, قُلْ كُلٌّ يَعْمَلُوا عَلَىٰ شَاكِلَتِهِ Everybody should put themselves to work according to what Allah gave them, basically. Right, so what, is, what do I feel Allah has given me that I can offer to the masjid? Essentially what I can offer is uh, planning, vision. Essentially what I can offer is a little bit of experience having traveled across not only the United States and Canada and Europe, but also much of the Muslim world, having spoken to a lot of uh, young people, having visited a lot, a lot of masajid, I've actually dealt with maybe over 200 masajid in the United States alone, um, and have seen what works and what doesn't work, and I have certain ideas of what a masjid can do, what potential it has. And Alhamdulillah, on many of those things that I would normally complain about, our masjid is doing a lot better than most in the country. But there's always going to be room for improvement. We always have to, inshallah ta'ala, think further. So I wanted to share a couple of my ideas with you, just broadly speaking. I'm hoping that we can take some of these ideas and run with them. I'm not the one who can implement the ideas. I can only present the ideas. If enough of us are in agreement, and enough of us, enough of us see that this is something worth putting into action, then inshallah ta'ala these ideas will become a reality. Otherwise they will stay ideas. But at the very least I want to be open with you and share with you some concepts that I have in my mind 
that I think are essential for any masjid, then they will come specifically to ICI. This shouldn't take more than 20 minutes, inshallah ta'ala. First and foremost, there are two relationships in the West. The Muslim family cannot survive without a relationship with the masjid. And the masjid cannot survive without a relationship with the entire family. This is different from the East. This is different from, the, from other parts of the world. There are masajid that have survived in Turkey, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, for India for, for centuries, for decades. They're fine. They don't need the entire family to be involved. But in the West, the situation is entirely different. It's entirely different because our families have no direct human access to Islam. Where are our families going to meet other Muslims? Where are our women and our children going to interact with other Muslim women and children? Where is that going to happen? Where are our families going to meet other Muslim families? Not at Walmart. Maybe, but not usually. The, pla- the one place we have to come together as families, not just as individuals, as families, is Allah's masjid. Where are new Muslims, people who take shahada, maybe after watching a video or two online, then they're going to Google Islamic church, and they're going to find the Islamic center of Irving, and they're going to show up here. Where are they going to find other believers to communicate with, to interact with? It's going to be here. Where might they even find somebody to get married to is going to be here. Where are they going to start their family? Now all of that basis is going to be the masjid. In other words, the families that live in the West, if they're going to hold on to their Islam, they're going to need other Muslims. And the only real place where they can connect with other Muslims is going to be the masjid. By the way, you can meet other Muslims outside. It's possible. But a lot of times the people you meet, the Muslims you meet outside of the masjid are people that are also distant from the masjid. And the more distant people are from the masjid, it tends to be that they're also distant from Islam itself sometimes. And then you become accustomed to being away from Allah's deen. There are lots of Muslims that are not very religious. You can meet them. You can socialize with them. They don't have the same concerns as people who frequent the masjid. They don't have the same view of what they should do with their family. Where are you going to find like-minded people that also have concern for their daughters and their sons? That are also worried about the future? That are also worried about holding on to their deen? About doing business in the halal way, etc., etc.? That's going to be the masjid. So the family needs the masjid. But I said the opposite also. The masjid needs what? The family. The masjid anywhere else could function and it'd be fine. The masjid in the United States, in Canada, in England, they cannot function like a masjid used to function in Bangladesh. Or the masjid used to function in in Lahore, in Pakistan. They can't. They have to operate differently. They have to operate actually much closer to the operations of the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. What do I mean by that? This is the only Islam in, in, in Islamic experience our family is going to get. So the masjid is going to have to provide a space for children so they can learn their religion and they can interact with other Muslim kids and actually feel normal. Because when our kids go to public school, they don't feel normal. They're made to feel strange. They need to have a place where they can feel like being Muslim and following Islam is normal. They don't feel that outside. But inside these walls, they can feel that. We have to provide that space. Why do the masjid need to give them that? Because if in 10 years... 15 years. Those children are not children, they're 20 years old, they're 25 years old. And when they never had a connection with the masjid when they were young, guess what? They will not have a connection when they're 25. 
And when they don't have a connection when they're 25, your, your fundraising dinners are going to be empty. Masjids won't survive. There will be nobody supporting them. That next generation of people, because the people that are supporting the masajid now are going to retire. The next generation of people, if they're not connected to the masjid now, are not going to be connected 15-20 years from now, and nobody will be funding these places, then they become bankrupt, and then they go on sale. Like the churches across New York City. Some of the most expensive properties in New York City are churches. In Manhattan. And they're now nightclubs. They're not churches anymore. They were not able to keep their young generation. The masjid needs the young generation. We need to give these kids an experience that they say we love the masjid. We love being here. That goes for the boys and that goes for the girls. That goes for the early age kids, that goes for the teenage kids, that goes for the college students. The ones that are in community. And we have to provide each of them different things because they all have different needs. The basketball court in the back and the playground area is a fantastic start, but that's just the start. They need a lot more than that. Our young people have a lot of questions. They have a lot of confusions. They don't know who to talk to. We need to provide them a space where they can ask whatever questions they want and not get in trouble. We need to be able to deal with that. We need to be able to give them a place of counsel. That is our responsibility. The masjid needs to be a place that is the most accommodating. I will say it. I don't care if it gets me in trouble. You guys put me in this position. That's your fault. I will say it. The masjid needs to be the most accommodating to our mothers and our daughters. It needs to be the most accommodating to women. Because without women, there is no next generation of Muslims. My policy for the last six months, I arrived at this conclusion and it's gotten me in a lot of trouble, but I've stuck with it. I'm going to stick with it for the near future, for the foreseeable future. Wherever I go and give a khutbah, I make an announcement after Jum'ah. Our mothers and our daughters don't get a chance to ask the khatib any questions. They are usually behind a wall or behind glass or behind an electric fence or behind something or the other. And they don't get a chance to ask any questions or learn anything. They, and by the way, you try staring at a wall and paying attention. Try it for 20, see how, see how that works out for you. You know? And when we do this to them, then they get completely isolated from learning any... Because you can't learn if you don't ask questions. So I say, I'm going to... I want to say salam to the musallim. But right after I say salam, I'm going to go outside in the parking lot and I'm going to wait for my mothers and my daughters to ask whatever questions. And I I'll hope I can answer and help whatever I can. And inshallah, then I'll give my brothers a chance. Because they never get a chance. I did this in England. I did this in Sri Lanka. I did this in Malaysia. I did this in... Just recent Wataga the other day. In Jumu'ah. And guess what happened in all of these places? Old women that have been coming to the masjid for 30-40 years would come to me crying and saying, this is the first time I felt respected inside the masjid. Those were the, some of the... And I've not heard that once. I've heard that several times now. This is the first time I felt respected inside a masjid. Our mothers have not been given their due. These are the same women that could ask Umar bin al-Khattab anhu whatever question they wanted in the middle of the khutbah. In the middle of the khutbah. These are the same women that used to ask Rasulullah in Masjid al-Nabawi directly. But now they don't have access anymore. We're going to create a culture where our, our mothers and our daughters are honored, they're respected, and their questions are treated you know, and given consideration. There are special accommodations made for them, their concerns are heard. So one of the things we're going to have to do, we have multiple populations in this community. We have a huge population of children, 
We have a big population of, you know, of course, men working professionals. We have a pretty big population of different ethnicities. We have a sizable Somali community. We have a sizable Bengali community. We have a sizable Indian Pakistani community, etc., etc. And a lot of the elders in our community, they don't speak good English. That's not their fault. There should be special programs for the Somali community to address their concerns. They have unique concerns. So they can get their questions and concerns answered. There should be unique you know, sessions held for the elders of each of the ethnic communities that are here because the elders cannot be expected to learn a new language. There should be special programs held for new Muslims, regular programs for the support. Alhamdulillah, Dawah Department is doing a fantastic job supporting the new Muslim community. Similarly, there should be special regular programs held not to give halaqat to our, our, our mothers and our daughters, but actually to listen from them. What, what's on their mind? What's their concern? What, they, what would they like to see changed? They're the ones that are raising our kids, guys. We don't take care of them. It's basically we're saying goodbye to our children. These are just some things that have to be prioritized in the mind of a community if they're thinking long term. Because when we invest in our families, it actually practically means investing in the women and the children. That's what that practically means. Okay? When you do these, you have taken care of the next 20 years. Alhamdulillah, but as a default, masajid tend to make accommodation for the men anyway. The biggest musallah space is ours. Alhamdulillah. I don't know if they change the carpet upstairs, but we have really nice carpet down here. Right? We we're taken care of. Now it's time to take care of all the other elements of the community that don't have a voice. And we need to give them a voice. And this is priority. And wallahi alim when you do that, in my conviction, when you do that, when you give priority, and that's not something I can do as a person by the way. We all have to make accommodation now. When we learn to do that, what happens? That an entire family is invested in this masjid. Then when the father is getting lazy to come to salah, the son, the daughter, the wife says, let's go, let's go. Then they bring. This place, alhamdulillah, there are a lot of people here. But this is nothing compared to the community that lives here. We should not be happy with the numbers that are sitting here. There are lots and lots and lots of people that feel disconnected from this place. And we have to reconnect them to this place. And that's, that's a, it's a top priority that we have to fulfill. Now there are other responsibilities that a masjid has. Education and all of this. And that's, I'll talk about that for five minutes inshallah and I'm done. And then I'd love to maybe hear from you and introduce you some, to some of our uh, wonderful new shura that I myself have recently been introduced to. What I want to share with you now is a, basically a philosophy of education. How do we educate the Muslim community? This applies to the adults, it applies to children, it applies to everybody. I want you to imagine a funnel. A funnel is this device where you, it's, it's big and wide on the top and it's like a little pipe at the bottom. Right? So you can take the most on top and less and less and less by the time you get to the bottom. That's basically what a community is. At the top, we have to create programs, messages, activities that are not educational, that are social. They're just fun. That's all they are. And they are meant to be fun. They're, even if people learn nothing, it's okay. If people just ate hot dogs there and had a barbecue and played something or... Have, that's fine. Cater to each community. All you need to do is create a place where people can enjoy themselves. They just came together and there was no long lecture, there was no speaker, there was no nothing. It was just awesome. And it just happened to be here. Or it just happened to be organized by the masjid. And that needs to be again created not just for the whole community, for each segment. For each segment of the population. Something special catered to the teenage girls of this community. Those, by the way, are the most vulnerable people in this community, teenage girls. 
They have low self-esteem. They're all over the world, so not just here. They have low self-esteem. They have a lot of doubt. They're very nervous about being Muslim. They have a lot of friends that are up to a lot of no good things, and they've seen it, and they're impressionable, and they have nobody to talk to because they're terrified. They can't talk to their mom and dad about it because they might have a heart attack, or think that there's a jinn on the child. So they don't talk. They keep it to themselves. So their thoughts stay within themselves, or they share it with their non-Muslim friends. Special programs cater to them, so they feel comfortable here. So they can open up. It's easy to give the youth a talk. It's very hard to get the youth to talk. We have to create an environment where the youth actually start talking to us. They feel comfortable enough to open up to us. So social activities, followed by very minimal, very minimal kinds of enrichment programs. Programs that actually, they're not, you know, there are some subjects that I think are important. I want to teach the tafsir of Surah Al-Baqarah because I love Surah Al-Baqarah. Or I want to study the seerah of Rasulullah and start a halaqa about that. That's great. Does a 16-year-old care about that? No. They have something else on their mind, don't they? We have to create programs after we get inside their minds. We have to create programs that they care about. The questions that they have. That would, bring their, that would bring young people's attention and, and other community also, their attention to this community and say, okay, these people are actually answering the questions that I've had. They're taking into consideration the concerns that I've had. That's why listening to the community is so important that I mentioned before. You can't educate people until you learn from them first. You have to learn what their needs are, what their problems are, then you provide an education. Okay? Once we do that, then we can actually get a better understanding of which... Which area of education do we need more focus on? What do we need to make a bigger priority out of? This educating is not, I know, I read the books, now let me teach you. No, 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 no. Education is, I learn what the concerns are, what the reality of the ummah is, what's, what are the problems happening in our families, what are some concerns of the young people, what are the concerns of the newly married, what are the concerns of the elders, etc., etc. And then we create education that helps them with their problems directly. Allah's guidance to help them deal with their problems. Relevant education. That people actually care about, they actually want to be a part of. That, when we make regular, inshallah ta'ala, then people want to learn this religion, because every time they learn something about it, they say, wow, this religion answers my questions. Not just in theory, but practically, it just helped me solve this problem. It helped me deal with this issue. So this is this interactive kind of a, a relationship that needs to be slowly cultivated and built, inshallah. Not heavy, you know, eight-speaker programs with, you know, 45-minute question-answer sessions, none, none of that stuff. Easy-going, very relaxed environment, maybe even some kind of social media platforms where people can post and have discussions, etc. Social events, these are the kinds of things that will bring new life into the community, inshallah. And actually even attract other people that have been away from the masjid to start participating slowly in the masjid. Beyond that are the serious learning, the, the halaqat of tafsir, of fiqh, of aqidah, of seerah, Islamic studies, etc. That's all fine, that's education. But education is for people that are already serious. How do we get the people who are not serious at all right now? Instead of just yelling at them. How do we get them to become interested? And one day they'll be the ones not only attending these, the ones that are teaching these, inshallah ta'ala. That's what we'd like to get to, bi'ibnillah. So these are just a, a, a few thoughts that I had about uh, our community. One last thing that came in my mind, I'll, I'll, I'll just share it with you. Uh, something for each of you to think about. We want this place to be a community. And what we don't want it to be is a cult. And let me tell you the difference between... Well, cult is a bad word by the way. Cult is this close-minded group of people that don't like outsiders. They, they only like themselves and that kind of thing, right? 
How do we make sure we're going to be a community and not turn into a cult? Well, here's how. A cult does not tolerate open difference of opinion. There's no room for disagreement. If you disagree, you're out. You're one of, you're one of the deviant, you're one of the lost. But in a community, there's an exchange of ideas. In a cult, there's a lot of anger when someone disagrees with you. In a community, emotions are put on the side and we can have a normal conversation. Nobody has to raise their voice. It's okay if we disagree with each other. I can share with you why I believe what I believe, you can share with me what you believe, why you believe, and we're still brothers at the end of the day. Even if we disagree. Nobody hates anybody. Nobody points fingers at anybody. In a cult, everybody has to look the same, dress the same, talk the same, behave the same. In a community, you have a lot of diversity. You have people that are Hanafi in our masjid, you have Shawafi in our masjid, you have Hanabila in our masjid, you have people of different schools of thought, you have people of different background, you have people of different culture and different dress, and that's okay. All of it's okay. There's no, these people aren't Muslim enough, or they're not Islamic enough. There's no such labeling. In a community, a diversity is fine. Somebody just started and somebody's been learning for a long time, they're at different levels. That's the nature of a community. In a community, when somebody makes a mistake, when somebody makes a mistake, you don't pick on them. You don't, everybody get together and talk about them and humiliate them. When a community, when somebody makes a mistake, you pick them up and you help them. And you cover their faults. In a cult, when somebody makes a mistake, you humiliate them to the point where they want nothing to do with you anymore. That's cultish behavior. We want to be a community. We're, we're gonna make mistakes. We're all going to have mistakes. We're all going to be learning from each other. We're all going to be growing with each other, inshallah ta'ala. So let's create an environment of afshu salam, what the Rasul of Allah described. Spread salam. Spread salam doesn't just mean say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Actually means spread peace. Spread peace. When you say salam means I'm not gonna fight you, you're not gonna fight me. I'm okay with you, you're okay with me. There's nothing in my heart against you, you have nothing in your heart against me. That's when you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Rasulullah says, spread salam. So let's become people who spread salam. Let's do that. And when we can do that, inshallah ta'ala, I have no doubt in my mind. What I saw in this community that made me move here is still there, it's even more now. The reason I, I, I went to 75 different communities across the United States before I chose to move here. I didn't come here because my job was here. I didn't come here because Dallas has the best weather in the United States, or the, or the tallest trees, or the greatest climate. Seriously, Dallas. <laughs> I moved here, my friend said, of all the places in the world, why here? What do they have, an airport? Oh, they have, we have a pretty good airport, but still. <laughs> Why in the world would you move here? My one answer was ICI. This place. It's unique. It's something very special. I, tell you, you know, I, I want to share with you why it's special. I promise I'm dying. Why I think this place is special. I came here first in 2007. And um, nobody knew who I was. I wasn't on YouTube at the time. Or not that much. And I had come here to give khutbah. And I was here an hour and a half early. Okay, so... An hour and a half before Salah, nobody was in the Musalla, I was here. And one brother was vacuuming the place. And he saw me and he says, you're not from here. And I said, no. And he takes me into the office and gives me a glass of water. He checks on me, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Where are you staying? Are you, you know, how long are you here? I didn't tell him I'm the khatib or anything. I'm getting VIP treatment for no reason. And after the VIP trip, he said, if you don't mind, I'll finish vacuuming the place. And he goes and he keeps vacuuming. And then, 
when it's all done, and then I, I was the one giving the khutbah, and he goes, oh, you're giving the khutbah. When I was going up. I was like, yeah. And so I gave the khutbah, and we're done. And they said, you know, the Amir of the masjid would like to make a few announcements. And guess what? Brother Igal is the Amir who was vacuuming the place. So, <laughs> I have never seen that in my life. I have never seen Sayyidul Qawmi Khadimuhum in life. The leader of a people is their servant. I, and I said, this place is special. There's something here I have never seen. Anywhere else you go, and I've been to hundreds of masajid. When you meet the president of a masjid, you know what they do? Assalamu alaikum, I'm the president. <laughs> That's how the conversation begins. I built this place. Whenever you go somewhere, you meet at least six people that built that place. <laughs> so I built this place. Yes, I started it. I built it. <laughs> Here, subhanAllah, people just want to serve a community. They just, they, honestly, they just want to serve a community. And that, that sentiment permeates throughout the entire community. We've grown a lot since then. There's been tremendous change here, tremendous growth here. But that spirit is still there. And that's something that's, that's just, it really is unique. It's not the same even in the rest of... I went to all the other masajid in DFW, Houston, Austin. I went everywhere else too in Texas. This was it. I came here. So may Allah Azza wa Jal continue to bless this community. May Allah Azza wa Jal give us all the, 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 the capability of fulfilling the amanat to the best of our ability. I'm, look, I, I'll be very honest with you just to set the right expectations. I'm kind of a, tied up in a lot of things. So I travel quite a bit because of my other engagements, because of my work with Bayina. For example, I'm flying to South Africa tomorrow, inshallah, for a week. Make dua. I'll be making dua for the, the masjid and all of you, inshallah, when I travel. Um, but really my goal here is not to be here for lots and lots of hours. I think you have, we have some very capable people uh, in the shura, in the shura body, actually especially, but also of course the council that is closer, uh, you know, the, the smaller group that are here at, at your service. And I think they, they are far more experienced in matters of the masjid than I am. I'm just here to try to provide an overall kind of a, a, a direction and maybe help engage the community a little bit better. That's, that's really what my role is, inshallah, and I hope to, to do justice by that role. You know, our uh, Shura Council is made up of Sister Sabahat, who's upstairs. There's a lot of you are there. Make yourself known so sisters can pick on you. Uh, Brother Tufail, are you here? If you can stand up when I call your names. Uh, Brother Asim, Brother Nawaz, Brother Shabir. No, stay up. Stay, stay standing up. Don't sit down, people. Have, you know, Brother Shabir and Brother Dawood. Brothers Dawood. These, are, these are our Shura Council, so make special dua for them. And uh, the, the shura body members of our community, if you can please stand up also so you're recognized. Uh, these are people that are just like yourselves. I mean, there should be a lot more of you. Yes, please stand up. Um, these are our community members that, have, that are just like you. They're residents here. Their, their families are here. We're, none of these people are paid to do what they're doing. They're putting this extra time in. Your job as a community member is not just to go to them and say, I have a complaint, which you should do also. But your job is also to say, hey, I want to help. Let me know if you need any help. So the, the rest of us are now, now you know who to contact if you want to participate and help more. Because until we create a culture of, of cooperation, we're not going to move forward. The, the masjid belongs to Allah. This is just an amana that all of us are holding. May Allah Azza wa Jal help us fulfill this amana. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Please have a seat. Yeah. Sisters have a mic up there? Have a mic? That's awesome.
Can we pull the, the, the partition here and allow those sisters to come down here if they want to have any questions? Okay. Yes, uh, 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 sisters can come downstairs because I'd like to allow you an opportunity to ask questions as well. We're pulling the curtain over here. Inshallah. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. I love what you say. I make dua that uh, your plan comes true. But just one thing that uh, what you said at the end of your speech that you don't have much time. But we need to see you more often here. Okay. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. Okay. Any other questions or comments or anything? It's okay. If you don't have them, it's better for me. Easier night for me. Okay. Yeah, sisters can come downstairs if you like. So you can ask questions. I know it's a long walk. Okay, questions. Okay, no, I have. Okay, um, there are a number of different kinds of questions. I'll set the ground rules for this brief uh, QA. It should last about 10 minutes or so. Um, there are questions that have to do with the finances of the masjid, construction project, um, some of the operational issues in the masjid. I will stay away from those questions for now because I need to get educated in the operations myself uh, a lot more. So I will steer away from those even though I'm acknowledging them and I'll, I'll keep them on record inshallah. So we do address those questions. But questions that have to do with the community uh, and social matters, uh, I will take here. What type of counseling and education uh, we are doing for young adults regarding the current situation that Muslims are facing in this country? As a parent of three high school university group kids, I'm not aware of any such effort, although we use the word youth in our fundraisings. Okay, so that's one thing I'm hoping to, to initiate, inshallah, and encourage is discussions for young people. Maybe if something of this nature doesn't exist, it will, inshallah. Um, and uh, I can't promise you a deadline or a schedule for when, but certainly there are people that are actually, Brother Rashad and a few others that are very active with the youth that I'm going to be engaging with and coming up with a plan for what, what kinds of halaqat and socials we can have. It's not enough to have a program for the youth. Even the mom who wrote this question, it's good handwriting, so I'm assuming it's a mom. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, the thing is, we can put a program together, but your teenager won't show up. Right? I mean, that happens all the time. And you're forcing them to come, which means they don't want to be here. My goal is not just to put programs together. My goal is to get them interested. So we have to go to the root of the problem first. How do we get young people interested in this conversation first and foremost? And that's something, inshallah, we'll be uh, uh, certainly working on. Um. Yeah, pretty much everything else is operational in nature, so we're, we're going to have to wait till we 
are able to answer those questions. But any other quick concerns or questions, Sister Sai? Yes. Sure. To learn English, or is it on? Uh, okay. Uh, I have a few opinions. Uh, the first of all, if we can arrange uh, any kind of class for the people who come new here. Another, another issue I have is, or another uh, actually, last night I heard this issue. One of brother, he recently moved from from one of the war, war-torn countries. So this gentleman is here. He has no job, and one of the churches behind him, like the churches, you know, trying to provide opportunity or something. Either they do it or they don't do it, but they are using that opportunity. But I told that brother that. No, come here. We have uh, brothers here, you know. They will help you, especially like we have some brothers there. They did in the past, they did IT training, free just for the sake of Allah. And I told them that there will be brothers, they will do they will do training and help you with job. So, inshallah, if we have any kind of program like that, would be really helpful. Okay. Jazakallah khair. So uh, one of my intentions, uh, inshallah, Zakalau Khairan for that, and I'm taking note of the class for people that don't speak English, inshallah, and we'll see what we can do. And if not, there may be community services like that being offered in the local library or other places, so we might be able to connect uh, with those. Um, as far as the refugee support is concerned, that, that again is something that we should seriously look into, so I've, I've taken note of both of those concerns for you. What I wanted to share with you is a plan that I have that... Um, I haven't put a schedule on because of, at the end of the year, usually I travel extra. So by, by mid-January, my travel should cut down a lot. Uh, and after that, my hope is that I'm, I'm here for a weekly halaqa. I used to do a weekly halaqa that was a tafsir, but I want to change that inshallah. So I'll, whatever uh, uh, communication network we have, via it, I'd like to announce, okay, this week I'm going to meet with our moms, or this week I'm going to meet with the teenagers, or this week I'm going to meet with the elders, etc., etc. And I'd like to actually pick a population every week and hear from them and have a chat with them and get a pulse for the community. So I, you know what I mentioned in theory, I'd like to actually use a weekly opportunity to, to, to gather that information. I can't promise you that I will address every concern, but at the, the first step is at least you know what the problems are, what is on people's minds. So I, I'm taking note as you're saying it, inshallah, to take that into account. And that's, uh, I'll also request, uh, you know, our Imam, inshallah, I think he already has a halaqa, but I think all of the halaqat that are here should have a question-answer component, uh, open to both men and women. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking for this now, you guys have put me in this position so I can make certain demands. So I'm making this demand now, any halaqa that is taught here, this should be ready. This should be put up, and the, the, the ladies should be accommodated, and shouldn't have to ask. This should be done from now on. Because they, when we're educating, we're educating our, 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 our men and our women. And from up there, they can, they can stare at a glass. We, I mean, I hear kids bang into the glass all the time. It's a lot of fun. But they can't ask questions from up there. And they, they need to have access. 
uh, to our Imam, to the other scholars that come and give halaqah here. If Sheikh Abdul Nasser is giving a seerah class, Imam Zia is doing a tafsir class, Sheikh Hassan is teaching a class, I'm doing, anybody's doing a halaqah, this should be already uh, arranged, inshallah ta'ala. So that, that, that access is a standard now. Bismillah. Uh, sister's side, we'd like to see more encouragement of. This is from Sister's side. Sure. Okay. Uh, YM, yeah, I'll look into YM and what they can do more here, inshallah. I got the question about YM sisters trying to be active here, inshallah, we'll look into that. Um, can we have gym, gym time for girls only? Yes. We have a time share. What time is it? That's it? That's it? Okay, so clearly not the right time. Let's, uh, let, let's, uh, when I have the session with the ladies, then you're going to suggest the time, have a discussion among yourselves, give me recommended times that you think are actually workable for the sisters, and then we'll make that, because you know, they, they're saying that they have Saturdays from 2 to 6 exclusive for the sisters, but most sisters don't take advantage of it. So, which means one of two things, either most of them don't know, or that's not a good time for them. So, yeah. Oh, it's good. Thank you for sharing that. It's not private enough and the men come in a lot. So we're going to have to fix that, inshallah. All right, I'll, I'll make note of that too. And once a week isn't enough. Nobody gets healthy that way. We'll, we'll see what we can do about that, inshallah. This one? I have a concern about teaching all the women and mothers how to take care of the masjid cleaning. Um, I think all of us should be concerned about masjid cleaning. But yeah, that, that won't happen until there's open education. Like, you know, the, a lot of times the women's section of a masjid is a world by itself that God knows what happens there. So um, it's very difficult to control. A lot of times, you know, children are out of control and you don't know who to talk to and the administration is somewhere else and things like that. So inshallah, we'll, uh, we'll take that into account, how to, how to properly manage the space for the sister side, inshallah. Um, that's personally for me, I'll take that later. Okay. What is your plan to... What is your plan to bring more people coming to the masjid? Uh, I just shared it. I spent 20 minutes. <laughs> Hey, um, and how are you going to solve the drug problems among the youth? I, I can't solve the drug problems among the youth. What I can do is hopefully create a channel of communication with our youth. We have, a, we have an absolutely stellar, fantastic facility. And what we, what we have currently, what, uh, one of our crises in this masjid is poor branding. We do not have good branding and advertising. Um, our website, may Allah reward the volunteers who put it together, is from like 1875. Uh, you know, like we need to we need updates. And we need to get we need to get you know high tech, and we need to get uh, uh, up to date with where the youth are and you know where they're communing. And, and we don't have a social media presence nearly as we should. So that's something that we have, we're going to have to make a priority of if we're going to reach our young. Can I make gym hours longer? Yes, inshallah. You know, I think I can. 
We'll discuss it, inshallah. Well, we will make gym hours longer for the ladies. Um, okay, so here are a lot of questions about community services. Classes, uh, there are people that are asking for matrimonial services because they're looking for a spouse. There are, and there are different kinds of services, right? Um, my personal philosophy is that one organization cannot do everything. Because when one organization tries to do everything, they do everything badly. What we can do, however, is we can outsource. There are other organizations, Muslim organizations, that specialize in certain areas. There are, for example, Muslim-run matrimonial organizations. There are Muslim-run funeral services, for instance. Or there are Muslim-run youth groups that are doing a very good job, like MENA and YM and others. Right? There's no reason for us to reinvent something if it already exists and these people are specialized. All we need to do is provide them a home and say, bring your services here too. Provide those services to us as well. So I don't, I'm not a fan of creating a new community to start a new project and then having to manage that too and it's not being taken care of properly. Rather, let's make an assessment of these services and then look, let's look at some of these very creative, very successful Muslim-run organizations that are already providing many of these services and import them into our masjid and outsource this problem, inshallah ta'ala. Um, Similar to senior care also is one of those issues too. I think that should be outsourced. There are Muslim organizations that are dedicated to senior care. Now some of our, uh, our community members are getting older and they need specialized services. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to reach out to you know, some of these places, inshallah. How does this high-level vision map to a timeline of milestones to achieve this vision? That's a very good question. At least within... Within the next six months at least, my, my, my only goal is to get an understanding of what the concerns are. That I, I, I don't want to take any steps before I don't have a good understanding of the community itself, which means a lot of conversations, which means those weekly get-togethers that I wanted to have are of paramount importance. And those of you that are here, I would, I would uh, suggest that you tell people who aren't here, inshallah. In whatever capacity, I would love to at least continue to gather that information and hear from you, inshallah. Okay. Just, what does it say? You just lay down, okay. Okay, How are we, uh, this is a really good question. We would like to hear practical steps to accomplish these goals you just laid down. Most of them cost money and manpower. How are you going to get these resources? They don't cost money, they just cost manpower. Most of this doesn't cost money. Everything that costed money, we already got it. A huge facility, a gym, Parking lot's done. Alhamdulillah. The money part of this is done. Now we just have to organize the manpower. And that just requires you know, effective communication first and foremost, inshallah. So this is not a heavy budgeted kind of a vision. It's just now we just need to work smarter. That's all. Inshallah. Yeah. See, it's a pretty serious concern, the gym hours. We, should, we need to take that seriously, inshallah. Um, okay, we're going to leave that one. Personal. This is also a very good question. There has been a lot of media rhetoric about Muslims in recent months. Any plan to develop our youth to speak out loud and clear to counter these rhetorics? We have not seen any strong youth. See, like uh, many of you didn't know, this weekend, Sheikh Yasser Qadi taught No Doubt, the course. 
uh, which addresses a lot of the questions and criticisms raised about Sharia and Islam over the weekend here in, in Plano, I believe the class was, right? Um, that is an example of outsourcing. You're not going to find a better teacher than Yasser Qadi to address some of these issues. He's one of the most qualified scholars we have in the country. And he happened to be in Dallas. If I knew about this ahead of time, I would advertise to our youth to go as a group and attend that class. And then to have discussions on what they learned from him here. We can't do everything. That's an example of outsourcing. A, a course of that quality is not going to come back easily. Right? And when it does come back, we as a community have to take initiative and take advantage and actually... And, and those who can sponsor, we sponsor them or whatever. We do whatever we can to get our young people to, to attend and learn some of these, these things, inshallah. So that, that's what I want to do is, you know, uh, again, outsource. This, this thing about training our youth, this is a specialization. And one of the things I hope to do um, in the next months, one of the things that even if I don't hear from you, it's in, already in my head, is we need youth activities in this question. And we need them from a qualified youth coordinator. That doesn't mean we hire somebody full-time. That just means we, we have a consulting relationship with somebody who can come in every once in a while, run a successful youth program, give, the, give our youth space, come back again, give them space, come back again, in a way that's, that's manageable for us financially, and it's also very beneficial for our youth, inshallah. Hold on, let me write this down first. Uh, at the time of, so this is a question, you mentioned about sisters being on the front end, but at the time of Umar radiallahu anhu and later women were separated with separation. The separation is a very important aspect uh, as this brings fitna, dalil from Quran and story of the Prophet Yusuf Okay, so there was no separation, you're clearly mistaken about that actually. So um, that there, there, was, there was no barrier between the men and the women in the Prophet's masjid to the point where um, there are several hadith on this subject. Um, and it so happened that the, you know how the Prophet said the best rows for the men are which rows? The front. And the best rows for the women are? The back rows. And that, the only reason that makes sense is because there's no barrier. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. And on top of that, there were sahaba, young men, who were new to Islam, they were not very mature, they would purposely pray in the last row so they could be closest to the women. And when they would go into sajda, they would stick their head back and check them out. That's, that happened in Masjid al-Nabawi, in the time of the Prophet And they got caught. And when they got caught, Rasulullah did not put a curtain. He could have. And the curtains were around, by the way. And curtain was, was the rule for the mothers of the believers. He did not put a curtain. He just commanded those young men to pray in the front. There were easier solutions possible. But Rasulullah didn't implement them. Right? So you can argue that separation is better. That's fine. But to argue that it was there in the time of Umar radiallahu ta'ala or in the time of Rasul in the masjid, it wasn't. That is actually, if you study the, the hadith on the issue, subject, the history of the issue, that is not accurate, actually. So... Okay. Yeah, I know. Can the halaqat only be 15 minutes and can you start the tafsir class again? Okay. So tafsir for 15 minutes, I'm guessing. Two different. But anyway, so here's my take on that. Um, I think there are going to be different kinds of programs at the masjid. Some programs are going to be one hour, 45 minute long, etc. 
But my, my, my philosophy for a good practice in the masjid is at least Isha and Fajr, there should be a one to two minute reminder after the salah. Nothing long, one to two minutes, something that everybody can benefit from, a single ayah of Qur'an every night, a single hadith of the Prophet every morning, or something like that, and keep it simple. Uh, Imam Zia already does the hadith in the morning. So that's already a part of the tradition of the masjid. Another nice tradition would be just to add a small reminder every single night, inshallah, uh, and something that you know everybody can benefit from. You don't have to attend a whole long halaqa. The thing is, we just need reminder constantly. And we don't need long reminders. We just need something to keep us going, inshallah. And that's not something that takes an exhaustive amount of effort. And even those that are in a position to lead, it's, it'd be good for you to maybe study something, share something about an ayah, regardless of who's going to be leading the prayer. Just to create a culture here, especially after Isha, so people leave with a reminder from Allah's book, inshallah. When you come yeah, so you want me to do the tafsir halaqat again? I don't know when I'm going to be able to do the tafsir halaqat again right now at ICI. Uh, I have continued them, but they're much longer and much more painful at the Ulis, at the, at the Bayina campus in Ulis. They're every Sunday from 4 to 6. Uh, because I needed to cover more of the material, which is why I didn't choose to do it at ICI. At ICI, I used to do it after I shot 30, 45 minutes at the most. Uh, but now I'm, I need to cover a lot more material, and that's just torture over here. I would not make you listen to something for two and a half hours or two hours. So that's a special. If you'd like to continue tafsir with me, it's it's on Sundays when I'm in town, and that's posted on our uh, on our website also. Um, it's from four to six typically on Sundays. Uh, but I don't know when I'll be able to continue tafsir again. First, I want to get a pulse of the community here once a week. I don't know which day of the week it's going to be. When I come back, I'll decide that. After that, inshallah. Once I have a bit of a feel, then maybe I'll start a 10-15 minute halaqa too. But, but we'll get to that when we get there, inshallah. I can't promise that ahead of time. How can you be, you or we be involved more in local politics? Is it time that we have a Muslim rep in City Hall? Uh, absolutely it's time. It's late. And we, we, uh, we have to get involved now. Uh, and I would say the place to start is our school districts. We have to show our faces now at every school board meeting in the public school system. We have to show up at town hall so that the next time they talk about a Muslim, they have to look at him in the face first. You know, we, this, this is no choice now. We have to now rally. And, and whether we can change things on a national scale or not doesn't even matter. What matters is we are significantly involved locally. And if you, you need to get educated on how to do that, let's, let's put programs together on how to get locally involved, inshallah. Let me make a note of that. Okay, uh, Irving Police Department is looking to hire and they're looking for diversity, so I'd encourage you to, if, especially the young men here, they, they're they willing to pay well too, yeah? Oh, they pay well, okay. I'd encourage it, I'd encourage it. There are some people who say working for the police is haram. I would love to talk to them. Because when they protect your house, it's not haram. You know, when you call 911, it's halal. But if you work there, it's haram. Uh, do you understand the hypocrisy in that statement? These people provide a service. They, put, they risk their lives so that citizens of this, this neighborhood can stay safe. That's a noble service to provide. And if the Muslims are going to do it, that's an, that's an honor. It's an honor. I meet New York City cops, Muslim cops. They meet me all the time and I say, thanks for your service. 
Thank you for doing what you're doing. You're representing Muslims in a space where we need representation. Absolutely. Why are you and I going to complain about the corruption of the police and we don't send good people there? What, what right do we have? So let's not come up with these uh, like made-up fatwas. Where I don't know where you get them from. And if you have that fatwa disorder, come see me afterwards. We'll talk by the shoe area. You know, <laughs> inshallah. Last one. Okay, fine, not last one. Uh, please give this masjid an opportunity to have regular gush jawla per week. Um, I'll see, I don't know. Talk to me about what it looks like. Okay. Uh, can the same community concept be promoted to other masajid by reaching the shura of other masajid? Let's just get this going here first, guys. Let me take it easy. Let's just show them a working model. I guarantee you, when we do this right, we're not going to have to go to them. They'll come to us. That's just how it's going to be. But we have to show a living model. We can't just talk about it. I talk about it. Well, now we have to do it. And if we show it, inshallah, it's going to be beautiful. Yes, I do, buddy. Whoever that was. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, back at you. Yes, I have a plan. It's between you and me. Okay. Uh, again, senior communities engagement. Yeah. Okay. Less Okay, so there's a, issues with the, a person has issues with the, the fact that the ICI Shura Council is less diverse, and it's less there are lesser educational activities here. Um, yeah, we can address those. I mean, quite honestly, I think there are lots of educational activities here. There are halaqat literally like every, every day or something. Um, but as far as the diversity is concerned, you cannot complain about diversity until you get involved. And you don't, have, don't worry about the shura, who the president is, or VP is, or treasurer is. This is not, I don't have any power here. I'm just, I've just got a mic. You want to get something done here, you can get it done. That's the culture I want to create. There's something you'd like to initiate, you have a good idea, you want to run with it. The people that stood up here, you come to them. If not, none of them, you come to... I'm making him personally responsible. Come, come give Asim a headache. Inshallah. And there's, if it's a good idea, we'll have a chat about it and say, hey, let's run with it, let's do it. There's a, if there's a need in this community and it's not being met, our job is to try to address it. But don't, don't, do not expect the Shura Council or the Shura Board to do anything. Expect them to do it with you. I'll say that again. They will not do anything unless it is what? With you. Don't give them an idea. Say, here's my idea, let's do this together. Please come forward. That, it's, our, it's our home. You know? Okay, one from the sisters. 
uh, YM, later advice inshallah, lots of advice for you guys. We'll have a special halaqa just for that advice. I don't understand this one, but I'll, I'll get to it. This is fundraising related. Sisters are asking for a clean water fountain. And that's from the brothers. That question was from the brothers. This is an important one. Uh, please, sisters, listen carefully. Uh, somebody moved here six months ago and their wife stopped coming to the masjid because she felt um, judged by other sisters upstairs. Uh, and that doesn't just happen with words. It also happens with facial gestures, eye contact, you know, frowning, <laughs> or whatever you do. Um, we need to destroy that kind of a culture. We need to eliminate that kind of a culture. If somebody goes, shows up there, ladies, and she's not wearing a hijab, it is not your job to put it on her head. It's not your job. Allah did not make you the qadiyah of this community to educate somebody else on how to cover. He did not. You don't know who she is. You don't even know if she's Muslim. You don't know where she's at. Allah did not reveal the hijab until 16 years of Qur'an. So you shouldn't expect it in two minutes. Chill out. If somebody's there, they don't know how to pray properly, you are not the alima of this community, that is your job to correct their prayer. Be patient with people, don't pass judgment on people, be easy on people. What they need right now is a connection with another person, not a class on how to pray properly. You, know, you haven't even said salam properly to somebody. And, you're, and there's plenty of stories of uh, 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 you know, women that have stopped coming to the masjid because of this kind of behavior. And not just women, men too. But uh, you know, upstairs, we don't know what happens upstairs. I only hear sob stories later on about women that haven't gone back to the masjid for years. One time this, this woman told me, she had become Muslim three days. She came to the masjid. And there was a sister who came to her and said, كيف حالكي? And she said, I'm sorry, I don't speak any Islamic. And she said, لا تحكي العربية? You don't speak Arabic? You Muslim don't speak Arabic? And then this woman thought, you cannot be Muslim unless you speak Arabic. So she left Islam for a couple of years. Because of that one conversation. You understand how silly that is? So don't, if you don't have something good to say, just keep praying, just, just do dhikr. Just avoid our contact and do dhikr. Don't have those people testify against you on judgment day. Yeah, yeah, but this is her husband writing in pain. So I don't know how to, yeah. Okay. What I have noticed is sometimes I see two events happen on the same day, at the same time, which concerns the community. Uh, this will not help to come bring the community. I will try to avoid that, inshallah. Yeah, that's operational. Sometimes departments don't talk to each other clearly. And so it's not done on purpose, but a lot of times it's just not good communication. Okay. Right. 
We'd like the masjid space to be more available, etc. for other groups who already know how to do things. Process or request use of space. Yeah, there, there um, should be a process in place. Masjid use facility, is there anybody particularly in charge? Uh, yeah, I mean the front office is in charge. Uh, okay. I know they have an online process actually. You can call and reserve. And okay, so you can call and reserve. You can go to the front office and reserve space at the masjid too. If it's some kind of religious education, I would advise uh, that Imam Zia oversee it. Uh, because if we just had a free-for-all of any kind of religious education happening here, uh, we don't know who's teaching and what they're teaching and whether they're qualified or not. And So there needs to be some checks and balances in place. But there's no reason if you have something legitimate, some kind of halakha or something, that it shouldn't be approved, inshallah. Yeah, this is a question about outreach. There's so much propaganda against Islam. What can we do? Alhamdulillah, our outreach department is pretty active here. Uh, uh, and my hopes are that we leverage some of the other good work that's being done outside of uh, ICI on outreach stuff and addressing misconceptions about the religion and that we create programs not only here but we give people resources so there's two kinds of things right we can put a program together and expect people to come here and listen to something another is we can there's an online there's a video there's a resource and we can just pass it out to people and say hey if somebody asks you show them this right so that's both of those things I'd like to do one programs and the other just equip people with the right resources on, on certain issues. Because alhamdulillah, a lot of this is now online. Um, yeah, this is personal. When is dinner? We are hungry. We will eat with you. I, I have the answer. You do? You have the answer? Okay. Here. Well, uh, dinner is now and it's ready and it's waiting for you in the multipurpose hall. Oh, it's after Isha? Sorry, uh, not, not before you prayed Isha. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. After Isha, I take that back. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Jazakumullahu khairan, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.